Hi, this is Del Del Medina, Executive Director of Black and Brown Founders. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast, Rewriting the Playbook. If you like the conversations we have on here, I want to invite you to be a part of your own rewrite. Join us on October 7th in Philadelphia. Yes, October 7th, 2023 here in Philadelphia. Chroma is a convening where black and brown founders come together to make change. This year's theme is where culture meets money. Our planning discussion centered around culturally connected entrepreneurship, crypto, Web3, and real estate. You won't want to miss out on this opportunity to gain insights into these hot topics and connect with leaders innovating across industries. Save the date again, October 7th, and join us for Chroma 23, an event that's sure to be a game changer for you and your business. This is the Rewriting the Playbook podcast, a podcast presented by Black and Brown Founders. And we're really, really excited today to have our special guest, Juan Barasa, in the house. Welcome to the podcast, Juan. Josh, uh, great to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's excited. Uh, I've been hearing a lot about Black, Black and Brown Founders, work with Del Del, uh, sitting here in Portland. I don't know if you have been to Portland, Oregon, but you haven't. we got to get you over here. I have. I love Portland. It's one of my favorite cities. <laughs> okay. Uh, we need to figure out a way to make it like a, your central station, right? <laughs> so, Juan, again, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I, I'm super excited to have this opportunity to chat with you, to get to know you and your work. If you can, for our listeners, just brief introduction. We'd love to know who you are, what you do. I'm Entrepreneur Recovery. Uh, I have started business in the past. Many of them failed, some of them succeeded. Long story short, uh, born and raised in Mexico City. I learned how to be an entrepreneur by watching my parents every day just hustle, right? They started businesses. Uh, my mom started a home, my dad just sit in and drive. Uh, fast forward to, to when I moved to the US, 2008, 2009, uh, after being here. I've been here in Oregon for 29 years. So 2000, 2008, 2009, during the housing crisis, like many other folks started thinking, okay, how I start a business that, that can scale or a business that can help the community. I was working in a hospital in a trauma center here in, in Oregon. And then realized that there was a lot of medical interpreters providing support to those and individuals with limited English proficiency. And I started to figure out how to create a tech company, I never done nothing like that. From raising capital to figure out how to code. During that time, I noticed that I knew a lot of my friends, entrepreneurs, Latinos were in the ecosystem, but they were not interacting with the overarching ecosystem in Oregon. I met Edgar Navas, uh, the PSU Business Accelerator. We started thinking how we can bring the community together. And we launched probably the first, one of the first Startup weekends, uh, Latinos and the nation, uh, that just targeted to create a bridge between our community and their startup ecosystem. There, I knew that we'll be able to provide uh, a lot of synergy in teaching both ways how to interact with the communities, how to create businesses. We did that for about five or six years. Out of that work, 
we wanted to help those businesses scale that came out of Startup Weekend, but they were growing the community. And looking at what Stephen Green with Pitch Black was doing in Portland, we talked to Stephen and said, okay, Stephen, can we take a page of your playbook? Talk about writing the playbook, right? Can we take a page of your playbook and with Pitch Black and apply it to Pitch Latino? And I love Stephen Energy. He came and said, yeah, let's do it. No, no, no big deal. So we launched Pitch Latino and similar to what Pitch Black does is a, it's a celebration to our community. It's a lot of entrepreneurs doing a lot of great work, creating great companies across different sectors and being able to showcase them annually. And on top of that, the community comes in, gets together and celebrates the achievements and the milestones that we have. We had entrepreneurs here in Oregon then doing footwear, launching companies, footwear, uh, software companies, uh, very top secret, high level uh, energy companies that are in contact with the Department of Defense, uh, biotech. So it's a lot of companies and a lot of talent that we don't hear about it. So just the fact that we bring it up to the forefront and we pitch Latino in that conversation, that's something that feeds the soul. Our next iteration out of that body work, they started almost like 10 years ago. Uh, It is launching the first Latino accelerator here in Oregon to support those Latino entrepreneurs to get them to scale. Uh, Our goal is to support 100 Latino entrepreneurs to reach $1 million in annual recurring revenues um, because we know the next economic crisis, the next pandemic or health crisis is going to be around the corner. We don't know when. It's just that it's going to happen. We don't want to have a repeat of how it hits our our community uh, and in the economic sense that we got hit, hit hard, right? So we had to build some resilience. And we're resilient as it is, but we had to have a resilience for our businesses. So that's what they do. That's what they feel the salts in the in my work in the community. And the day job, I have worked for Portland State University, now for Virtual Lab, as a director of innovation entrepreneurship, uh, supporting entrepreneurs uh, at the university level and academia, but also in the climate tech space. And I have been fortunate to be able to encounter a lot of role models, mentors, and very inspiring people along the way that once we find our tribe, our community, it's hard to let go and you just feed all the energy, you start vibing. So in a nutshell, that's home. That's what we do here in Oregon. That's um, just bullish of our community, not just in Oregon, but across the nation. That's amazing. It really resonated with me that you know, the themes that I'm hearing in your story are really centered around community, right? You said, I think, community, celebration, support, right? That's kind of the through line that I was hearing all throughout your story. And what's also apparent to me is your experiences have really informed the choices that you've made and kind of the ways in which you're giving back so much. And I'm just curious a little bit more about how, you know, your personal experiences have kind of influenced the path that you're walking on now, what you're building, right? Because you talked a little bit about it, but I think, um, you know, I come to this work with so much of my own experiences. It's it's why I personally pivoted outside of, you know, working inside of tech to creating more access and more um, opportunities for people like me to get into tech because, I just was like, more people from my community need access to this. Like, if I can get in, so many people can get in. And I think we're so often kind of informed by by our passions 
Um, so yeah, anything that you have to say to speak to that? I know you gave us a little bit about your background, but I'm just curious how that that drive is there for you and where it comes from. I'm a big proponent of seeing is believing, right? Uh, we hear that a lot that you cannot be what you cannot see, right? My oldest daughter reminds me that growing up in Mexico, I benefited from being in a place where everybody looks like me, speak the same language, uh, we have the same way of thinking. And when I, I got opportunity to start new things, somebody tapped me on the shoulder and told me, you can do this. But also she reminded me that Mexico is a very male-dominant culture, right? There a lot of activities happening. Then when I started getting in a position where I, I get to work in the community, I had to bring two things to the table. One, be sure the door is wide open for everybody to come through. And the world role models are not there. I had to intentionally be looking for bringing those role models to the forefront to serve the community, to mirror the community that we are serving. And it doesn't take a lot um, for somebody to, to tap you on the shoulder and say, you can do this. Uh, when you have that imposter syndrome, like uh, that self-doubt that all of us experience, we underestimate how valuable that is, right? I think for me, those those the, the two drivers make sure that my kids, I'm, I'm, I'm selfish reason for this. I have four amazing kids, and I want to make sure that they experience what I experienced growing up, that they see role models, they see themselves reflected in them. Uh, in the workplace and workplace um, the community and the school but also that somebody out there a mentor a person they trust when they have that moment of self-reflection and self-doubt if they belong that somebody will come at the right time tap them on the shoulder and look at them at, look at them at the eye when they need the most and say you can do this uh, because i benefited from that right and that has been life changer for me when somebody in my life when i need the most just give me the right notch in the right direction and get me to the next milestone. Uh, for me, that's my why. That's my inspiration in terms of make sure that we are recognized and seen. And also, when you look at the economic power that we have as a community and the little recognition that we receive, it's not because we need it, it's because we deserve it. It, it is mind-blowing, right? We all know that... Uh, without getting too much into politics, the past administration, that was for me a eye-opener, like a weight. Even though we have, I know that we, I know engineers, I know scientists, I know folks that are making millions of dollars on high-paying jobs for the community. And all they were seeing is uh, low contributors to our economy, our society. And when we know that's not true, that's something that I keep in mind from that day on because we bring a lot to, to our communities, wherever we are, regardless if we are brand new to the community or have generations of living there, we bring a lot and we just want them to recognize that and see us for what we bring. I love that so much. I love so much of what you said, right? Like we don't need it. We deserve it, right? That recognition, we, the value that we bring, right? We so often forget that or are stuck in that place of imposter syndrome when there's just so much, so much capacity that we have as a community. Something else you said reminded me of a quote I heard recently when you were talking about, uh, you know, having people believe in you, saying that, tapping you on the shoulder and saying, you know, you can do this, which I think is so powerful and so needed in our community. The other side of that that's really been resonating with me lately is having people in your corner say, you know, you can do this, I believe in you. 
but I'm also going to be with you if you fail because there, we, we have so much pressure on us sometimes, right? So what I think is the biggest gift is the, the freedom and the space and the support to fail because I see so often and, and I've learned throughout my career, that's when you learn the most, right? And I think you even started the top of the podcast with you know your acknowledgement of <laughs> having businesses that have failed. I think there's richness in that, right? And getting away from the shame of it. And in fact, having people say, I believe in you, I believe in you to, to take this shot because we need people who are dreamers and going for those big things. But, you know, there's that saying too, you know, you shoot for the moon and you land among the stars, right? And it's like, no matter what, as long as you're you're trying and you're putting yourself out there, that's also what our community needs is, is people taking those big swings, some of them making it, some of them not, but getting up, brushing themselves off, starting the next thing. Right. Because the next thing is going to be better with everything they've learned from that failure. So, yeah, I just that really resonated with me. And it's so hard, right? Because we come from a community, uh, our way of thinking that we got to show up and we're not showing up just for yourself. We're showing up with uh, representing our whole community. And mm-hmm. you think about it, it's a huge burden to put on ourselves. I know because we're not proud of our community or what we do. But when things don't go as planned, you you not only carry this the that remorse or that guilt. Uh, you're not only carrying that self thought that what didn't go well and I fail. It's also you thinking that I failed my community, right? And that is huge. So that's make it harder for everybody to to carry on. So one thing I will say, uh, if I were to talk to myself. 10, 20 years ago, I will give myself permission to, to fail. I will, I will give myself permission to screw up and make mistakes because that sentiment that I fail, the expectations that my community has or my parents had on me of what the measure of success looks like sometimes hold me back for longer than it needed to be and create that unnecessary anxiety and guilt that I didn't do what I was supposed to be doing. So yeah, I will, I will go back and say, Juan, you got permission to screw up. You got permission to make mistakes because to you, what you just mentioned, other folks in other communities, they fail, no mistake, and they see it as a learning opportunity. Now I learn how not to do things and next time it's going to be better and they get rewarded for it, right? I remember many years ago when I met Del Del first time in San Francisco, an uh, entrepreneur in the stage was talking about that his last venture was a million dollars. He got million dollars dollars in investment, and within six months they lost it all. And he was back in the wagon, tried to to raise more capital, and people were investing on him. And I was scratching my head like, "What? How is that happening?" Right? Which is a different conversation to understand why the a startup hustle culture that raised money fell fast. Uh, it has some problems on his own, but just the fact for me is like, a, he give himself permission to, I, I learn from something. I make a mistake. I'm going to apply new learnings and people were still believing on him at that point. Right. So that was for me, that was kind of fascinating. The first time that I realized that, wait, that means I can, I can make mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to to hear a little bit more about Pitch Latino and the work that you're doing in Portland and really just around this frame that we've been talking about around support. 
because uh, I imagine that you're offering such great support to all of these founders. And, and you know, again, as, as we're talking about rewriting the playbook and doing things differently, what does that look like? What has that journey been like as you, you know, started with this idea and really had years and years of kind of creating more community and, and supporting these founders along the way? Being entrepreneurs are lonely is a very lonely road, right? I think Hollywood has make us a disservice when they glamorize the idea entrepreneurs are a cool thing to do and you can walk in your pajamas and tell the next VC and the Ivy Tower to take their check and you don't want to you don't want their money because somebody is invested in you. That that I think that's a nice, nice dream, but very few folks get to experience it. It's a very long journey and we need a community to support that. And unfortunately, when we try to explain to family and loved ones that they're not entrepreneurs or they're they're not in this journey, what what is that we doing and we enduring? It's hard for them to wrap their mind around it. But when we surround ourselves of a community of entrepreneurs that they're going through the same roller coaster emotions, they have to make payroll, they have to figure out how to buy the supplies for the next production run. And uh, they had to deal with a new client that they need to meet the demands for the new purchase order. And when we, once we get all of us together and we hear like a, somebody struggling with that issue that we struggled before and we share that knowledge without expecting everything in return, I think that's powerful. When we're able to have coffee in the morning, so a quick phone call where we're driving to take the kids to school and ask how you did this and somebody's sharing that in information willingly without having uh, no expectations so you're doing anything else but just execute and that advice i think for me that that's huge and that's the motivation around pitch latino uh first is the celebrate as i mentioned earlier it's an opportunity to elevate and bring to the surface those entrepreneurs that are building amazing companies and making an impact in our community and second is the, and equally important is building the community around. Once we know who we are and we're able to have a direct access to each other without having to go through a middleman, then magic happens, right? Then you start seeing collaborations from either folks that they have similar product, but in different, a different approach, sharing uh, suppliers, sharing advice. And supporting each other, I think that is making that community better. And you can start seeing it now here in Oregon where more and more entrepreneurs are bubbling up to the surface. And even those that start with a very simple, very unique product that people might not think that can scale or grow to be a business, they all of a sudden with the right advice and mentors and support, they're able to create more viable, more profitable business that brings the community together, showcase what we bring to to our region and more importantly forces people to notice us because we're not asking them to make a space we're making our own space at the end of the day that's what we end up having to do right being able to say well we wait waiting for organizations or individuals to see us that's okay they can continue to try to do business as usual we're going to do things our own way right we're going to be uh raising capital creating high paying jobs be intentional intentions and good stewards with the resources the community provides and we don't gonna wait for them and once they notice that somebody's growing a business that having a lot of returns 
or having a lot of notoriety or has a visible impact in the community, then when they then then it's where realized they realize that they missed the boat. They missed the boat in something. An example of that is, for example, uh, Hollow Footwear. Uh, Romol Vega. Uh, I met Romol during the pandemic. He launched his footwear company. He raised capital here in Oregon. He, uh, he went outside Oregon, raised more capital, and everybody betted against him that he would be able to do something meaningful uh, with the footwear and the hometown where you have Nike, Adidas on their armor. And uh, you see him now, Nordstrom's, uh, REI partnerships, second year uh, uh, releasing the full line of products for the year and he's growing bonkers and he's unapologetic for some people might think that he's a little um too too aggressive too entrepreneurial uh but he's making things happen and he's not waiting for people to hand him handing him things over or naya sarate uh dr sarate who has developed a next generation of eb models for uh for right now is under contract with the department of defense right and uh, developing that those CV models that we'll see in the market in a few years from now. Um, so that's why Pitch Latino, that, that was our intention behind it. Bring those folks to the surface and showcase them and our community to celebrate and feel proud of where we're achieving and where people in our community are achieving. I love that. I love that so much. And I, what you said about taking up space, right? Not waiting for people to give us space. I think that's such an important message. And you know, elevating and putting almost a spotlight on what's already happening. Right? Something you said earlier that I want to I want to bring us back to as well is the sentiment that you know you're really bullish on Portland, right? And I find that to be really interesting because one of the themes that I've I've talked to a few guests on this podcast about is how we're rewriting the playbook when it comes to where these innovations are happening, and I think that. It's not on a lot of people's mind to consider Portland a tech innovation hub. And I know that to be untrue because I know <laughs> the work that you and, you know, like you mentioned, colleague Stephen Green are doing. I know entrepreneurs from Portland. Um, and I, I actually have gone to a lot of places that I normally wouldn't have considered innovation hubs. And the theme that I kind of have walked away from is innovation is happening in almost every community across this country. And we are simply not paying attention. So that's something else that, that you brought up. And I'm just curious what you kind of have to say to our listeners, you know, what's your what's your pitch for Portland? And also, you know, how can we all kind of do some work to expand our thinking around, you know, those, those traditional hubs? You know, we always consider obviously the Bay Area, um, New York, all of these major cities, Miami's kind of on the map now. But how do we start to give more attention to these other places that amazing work is happening, like Portland? Well, Portland is a small city or mid-sized cities with a big town vibe. But you have the rivers, the mountains. You can go skiing uh, within 45 minutes from here. Uh, you can go. You can be in the coast. You can be in the river all year round. as activities very. It lends itself to be very family oriented. A lot of big trees. A lot of Op, uh, open uh, spaces for people to enjoy nature. And that's very unique to Portland. The other part of Portland is uh, people are very friendly. All across the board, uh, from driving to when you meet them in the streets, uh, people in overall, they're very friendly. And when when it comes down to the startup ecosystem, something that always fascinates me is 
the people are very collaborative and you invite somebody to have a cup of coffee they, they will take you on it and they will allow you to to ask questions and share their advice and you get to know them and build a community real quick right um for me that's always been very interesting uh what makes portland unique is that portland as a whole has recognized that yes it's an uh it's an appeal to be a tech hub and support those tech companies but it's other industries that can be grown in this in the portland oregon market uh consumer packaged goods coffee uh, ciders uh it's a maker community that's making good products and they are big market across the nation clean tech biotech sectors that they are growing so what makes portland unique is the quirkiness and very eclectic gamut of industries or the business you can deploy here right i think it's a mistake try to replicate what happened in silicon valley and the bay area uh, and try to mimic that in your community because each community is different and you just have to play to your to your strengths and what the community is and the state is uh, industry sectors are the are the strong suit and just play to that and once you do that things start bubbling and growing and five years ten years from now you will see a growing number of companies and those uh industries that your organization your communities has a, has a strong suit for it uh be, besides tech and oregon i think you're gonna see a lot of things coming out of the consumer packaged good and, and manufacturing space especially at our athletic and outdoors it's a lot of outside the big companies is medium to size small companies that are growing and you will see them how they they make an impact right and bring in different type of jobs and it's different uh friction points that require they require more capital than traditional venture uh focused companies but nonetheless are equally su successful so portland if you come to portland we're friendly we love coffee and uh, we like the outdoors and we do a lot of the things besides tech yeah i love that as a takeaway also what you said about every community is different right so lean into what makes you different and don't don't try to be another silicon valley right we we've seen the failings of that also right well, how that model doesn't work even in silicon valley so i love this kind of idea of, of be your own thing and really lean into what works for you and kind of double down on that right double down on the quirkiness if it's portland or you know wherever you may be i i really really appreciate that sentiment i'm curious as as you know this theme of around like rewriting the playbook what's one thing you know if you had a magic wand if you could wave it in the world and change something about the tech ecosystem or the VC landscape, what's the one thing you'd like to see shift? I want to get rid of good intentions. If I were to rewrite the playbook, let's put good intentions to the side. All of us have good intentions. All of us want to do the our neighbor, our individual and the boss to have a good life. And that's okay, that's human nature. I want to substitute that with actions intentionality right and that could be many things uh for the entrepreneurial sector the access to capital we want to have the more intentionality that the folks that decide where the capital is invested reflect the community they want to serve 
that if you are talking about investing in black and brown communities, that the folks that invest in black and brown communities also reflect that community. That is transparency and how you do those decisions, right? It's a very easy to understand. This is my investment thesis. This is where I will invest. I will take the call, but I'll let you know right now. Your company is not my sector, but I know who can help you. And when you offer to help somebody, is just follow through, right? Uh, follow through. When it comes down to the community that we give ourselves permission to, to celebrate those successes, but also embrace to those that fail and quickly come around and say, hey, how can I help you? What do you need? I know things don't go well as planned. I know three or four folks that will be able to, to provide a soft landing for you. That we in make time, carve time in our companies or in personal life to allow folks to participate in the community, especially for our K-12 students, right? They need a lot of role models and they need to see us out there. And it could be you have kids being able to go and help at school and see your, your dad, a mom, cousin, big brother, be part of that role model that's helping. Uh, you're focused on a STEM design business school that you make time for you to be a mentor, a speaker for those folks. It's a study from Raj Shetty from, I think he was in Stanford, but the studies called the Los Einsteins. And he said that we invest, if we expose women and black and brown uh, K-12 students to more mentors and role models, role models that look like them, we quadruple the capacity of our country to have engineers and scientists. And I would like to add to that, if we expose our kids to entrepreneurial concepts and entrepreneurs and people in position of leadership, we want to quadruple the number of leaders and business owners, entrepreneurs that we have in our community. And it's going to take time, but we have to invest the time. And that's part of rewriting the playbook. Rather than waiting folks for us to get an invite, we we just go there and in a good fashion, our community get things done. We're just going to show up and make things happen. Uh, I think that that will be that will be powerful. Get real good intentions, substitute for real action, and just show up. Whatever you can, doesn't have to be like a long-term commitment. If you can only do an hour a month, do an hour a month. You can do it once, once a year, just do once a year. But multiply that times everybody in our communities across the nation, then we have a very active community that's not just rewriting the playbook, but is making things happen with real action and being role models for that generation that's going behind us. I love that. Intentionality into action, just show up, just do stuff, right? <laughs> Let's talk about it, more be about it. That's what I'm hearing from you. Yes. Love it. So um, last couple of questions as we round, round down. I'm just curious if you have any advice that you would want to give directly to entrepreneurs, because I know you work with so many entrepreneurs, provide them so much support. We have a lot of listeners on the podcast who are entrepreneurs and founders. Just curious if there's one or maybe two key takeaways um, that you have for them. Everything you've said has been amazing, but is there any direct advice that you want to kind of give to our listeners? Let's start with the idea that angel, angel investing is for everybody. 
that you're going to find an angel investor is going to give you money and fund your company overnight. Less than 1% of capital goes to actual startups. The rest of the companies are not fit for them or the risk profile for the angel investor is not there. So you got to start thinking how you're going to find other sources of non-traditional funding to fund your company. And they are out there. Could be federal dollars, could be state grants, could be philanthropic grants, could be organizations like a Pitch Latino, Pitch Black, or, or Black and Brown Founders that were able to carve out some initial grants to kick off things. But you got to start looking for uh, those non-traditional sources of funding. Uh, but there's no better source of funding than actual paying customers. So at the beginning, I know we're excited about building product. Just hit the pause button for a second and make sure you have you do your market research. Make sure you understand who's the customer, who's going to pay for your product and service, that you build that product and service to meet that need of the customer, and the customers will follow. And regardless what industry, what sector are you targeting, People, when you have a well-honing product market fit, they will start coming to you and the need for capital is going to be less than if you, if you didn't do that part. And look for a mentor, somebody that's a sounding board for you, somebody you can trust for their advice and they will listen when you only need to be listened, but also provide you with that advice when uh, you had those moments of self-doubt. Such great, great takeaways, great advice. Um, focus on making money, right? <laughs> focus on getting money. There's multiple ways to get money. Focus on making money. That's what business is all about. Sometimes we get lost in in the innovation part more than the, the making the money part. So I, I love that as kind of a reframe. And then the support, right? One of your key themes throughout this whole conversation. I love the the look for mentor. Make sure you have some people in your corner that are that are rooting for you and that you can trust and that can kind of give you the the truth when you need to hear the truth as well, right? So really love that advice. Really love this conversation. I have one more question for you, and it's just what is something that is bringing you joy these days? Being in family, um, it's two things. Uh, I would say being with family, taking time to just to be with them when uh, work is done, uh, Fridays around the corner, or whenever that Friday falls in, just pausing, turning things off and just be around that because they are the reason I get up every morning. But once uh, that's done, when, when I'm able to encounter an entrepreneur that we were able to talk to him or her or they, and I've talked to them a few, few months later, a few years later, and see them driving. It's just, that's what makes things worthwhile for all of us. I love that. Seeing other people's success, seeing where you were a part of that journey, but seeing them take off without you. That's huge. Thank you so much, Juan. This was an incredible conversation. I'm so excited. The conversation is going to be continuing this year at Chroma, which is our signature event. It's happening October 7th in Philadelphia. If you haven't gotten your tickets, I highly, highly recommend getting tickets before they sell out uh, at our website, www.blackandbrownfounders.com. Uh, Juan, where can people find more information about you and about Pitch Latino Online? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn or you can go to latinofounder.com. Right now we're revamping our website and you will see more information about Pitch Latino, Latino Founder and the Accelerator. Uh, I'll see you on the internet. Awesome. Thank you so much, Juan. Thank you. 
If you like what you've heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. You can also follow Black and Brown Founders on Instagram and Twitter at BB Founders. You can also follow me at the Josh Torres on Twitter. I'm Josh Torres. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.